Chapter Four of Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Studies in the Psychology of Sex, Volume Two by Havelock Ellis. Chapter Four: Sexual Inversion in Women, Part Six. The commonest characteristic of the sexually inverted woman is a certain degree of masculinity or boyishness. As I have already pointed out, transvestism in either women or men by no means necessarily involves inversion. In the volume of Women Adventurers, edited by Mrs. Norman for the Adventure series, there is no trace of inversion. In most of these cases, indeed, love for a man was precisely the motive for adopting male garments and manners. Again, Colley Sieber's daughter, Charlotte Chark, a boyish and vivacious woman who spent much of her life in men's clothes, and ultimately wrote a lively volume of memoirs, appears never to have been attracted to women, though women were often attracted to her, believing her to be a man. It is indeed noteworthy that women seem, with special frequency, to fall in love with disguised persons of their own sex. There is, however, a very pronounced tendency among sexually inverted women to adopt male attire when practicable. In such cases, male garments are not usually regarded as desirable chiefly on account of practical convenience, nor even in order to make an impression on other women, but because the wearer feels more at home in them. Thus, Moll mentions the case of a young governess of sixteen, who, while still unconscious of her sexual perversion, used to find pleasure, when everyone was out of the house, in putting on the clothes of a youth belonging to the family. Cases have been recorded of inverted women who spent the greater part of their lives in men's clothing, and been generally regarded as men. I may cite the case of Lucian Slater, alias the Reverend Joseph Lobdell, recorded by Wise, alienist and neurologist, 1883. She was masculine in character, features, and attire. In early life she married and had a child, but had no affection for her husband, who eventually left her. As usual in such cases, her masculine habits appeared in early childhood. She was expert with a rifle, lived the life of a trapper and hunter among the Indians, and was known as the female hunter of Long Eddy. She published a book regarding those experiences. I have not been able to see it, but it is said to be quaint and well-written. She regarded herself as practically a man, and became attached to a young woman of good education, who had also been deserted by her husband. The affection was strong and emotional, and of course without deception. It was interrupted by her recognition and imprisonment as a vagabond, but on the petition of her wife she was released. I may be a woman in one sense, she said, but I have peculiar organs which make me more a man than a woman. She alluded to an enlarged clitoris, which she could erect, she said, as a turtle protrudes its head, but there was no question of its use in coitus. She was ultimately brought to the asylum with paroxysmal attacks of exaltation and erotomania, without self-abuse apparently, and corresponding periods of depression, and she died with progressive dementia. I may also mention the case, briefly recorded in The Lancet, February twenty-second, 1884, of a person called John Coulter, who was employed for twelve years as a laborer by the Belfast Harbor Commissioners. When death resulted from injuries caused in falling downstairs, it was found that this person was a woman. She was fifty years of age and had apparently spent the greater part of her life as a man. When employed in early life as a manservant on a farm, she had married her mistress's daughter. 
the pair were married for twenty-nine years but during the last six years lived apart owing to the husband's dissipated habits no one ever suspected her sex she was of masculine appearance and good muscular development the wife took charge of the body and buried it a more recent case of the same kind is that of mary hall who died in new york in eighteen o one her real name was mary anderson and she was born at govan in scotland early left an orphan on the death of her only brother she put on his clothes and went to edinburgh working as a man her secret was discovered during an illness and she finally went to america where she lived as a man for thirty years making money and becoming somewhat notorious as a tammany politician a rather riotous man about town the secret was not discovered till her death when it was a complete revelation even to her adopted daughter she married twice the first marriage ended in separation but the second marriage seemed to have been happy for it lasted twenty years when the wife died she associated much with pretty girls and was very jealous of them she seems to have been slight and not very masculine in general build with a squeaky voice but her ways attitude and habits were all essentially masculine she associated with politicians drank somewhat to excess though not heavily swore a great deal smoked and chewed tobacco sang ribald songs could run dance and fight like a man and had divested herself of every trace of feminine daintiness she wore clothes that were always rather too large in order to hide her form baggy trousers and an overcoat even in summer she is said to have died of cancer of the breast i quote from an account which appears to be reliable contained in the weekly scotsman february the ninth nineteen o one another case described in the london papers is that of catherine coombe who for forty years successfully personated a man and adopted masculine habits generally she married a lady's maid with whom she lived for fourteen years having latterly adopted a life of fraud her case gained publicity as that of the man-woman in nineteen o one the death on board ship was recorded of miss caroline hall of boston a water-colour painter who had long resided in milan three years previously she discarded female dress and lived as husband to a young italian lady also an artist whom she had already known for seven years she called herself mr hall and appeared to be a thoroughly normal young man able to shoot with a rifle and fond of manly sports the officers of the ship stated that she smoked and drank heartily joked with the other male passengers and was hail fellow well met with every one death was due to advanced tuberculosis of the lungs hastened by excessive drinking and smoking ellen gled alias ellis gland a notorious swindler who came prominently before the public in chicago during nineteen o five was another man-woman of large and masculine type she preferred to dress as a man and had many love escapades with women she can fiddle as well as anyone in the state said a man who knew her can box like a pugilist and can dance and play cards in seville a few years ago an elderly policeman who had been in attendance on successive governors of that city for thirty years was badly injured in a street accident he was taken to the hospital and the doctor there discovered that the policeman was a woman she went by the name of fernando mackenzie and during the whole of her long service no suspicion whatever was aroused as to her sex she was french by birth born in paris in eighteen thirty six but her father was english and her mother was spanish she assumed her male disguise when she was a girl and served her time in the french army then emigrated to spain at the age of thirty-five and contrived to enter the madrid police force disguised as a man she married there and pretended that her wife's child was her own son 
she removed to seville still serving as a policeman and was engaged there as cook and orderly at the governor's palace she served seven successive governors in consequence of the discovery of her sex she has been discharged from the police without the pension due to her her wife had died two years previously and fernando spent all she possessed on the woman's funeral mackenzie had a soft voice a refined face with delicate features and was neatly dressed in male attire when asked how she escaped detection so long she replied that she always lived quietly in her own house with her wife and did her duty by her employers so that no one meddled with her in chicago in nineteen o six much attention was attracted to the case of nikolai de Raylan, confidential secretary to the russian consul who at death of tuberculosis at the age of thirty-three was found to be a woman she was born in russia and was in many respects very feminine small and slight in build but was regarded as a man and even as very manly by both men and women who knew her intimately she was always very neat in dress fastidious in regard to shirts and ties and wore a long-waisted coat to disguise the lines of her figure she was married twice in america being divorced by the first wife after a union lasting ten years on the ground of cruelty and misconduct with chorus girls the second wife a chorus girl who had been previously married and had a child was devoted to her husband both wives were firmly convinced that their husband was a man and ridiculed the idea that he could be a woman i am informed that de Raylan wore a very elaborately constructed artificial penis in her will she made careful arrangements to prevent detection of sex after death but these were frustrated as she died in a hospital in st louis in nineteen o nine the case was brought forward of a young woman of twenty-two who had posed as a man for nine years her masculine career began at the age of thirteen after the galveston flood which swept away all her family she was saved and left texas dressed as a boy she worked in livery stables in a plough factory and as a bill poster at one time she was the adopted son of the family in which she lived and had no difficulty in deceiving her sisters by adoption as to her sex on coming to st louis in nineteen o two she made chairs and baskets at the american rotten works associating with fellow workmen on a footing of muscle inequality one day a workman noticed the extreme smallness and dexterity of her hands gee bill you should have been a girl how do you know i'm not she retorted in such ways her ready wit and good humour always disarmed suspicions to her sex she shunned no difficulties in her work or in her sports we are told and never avoided the severest tests she drank she swore she courted girls she worked as hard as her fellows and fished and camped she told stories with the best of them and she did not flinch when the talk grew strong she even chewed tobacco girls began to fall in love with a good-looking boy at an early period and she frequently boasted of her feminine conquests with one girl who worshipped her there was a question of marriage on account of lack of education she was restricted to manual labour and she often chose hard work at one time she became a boilermaker's apprentice yielding a hammer and driving in hot rivets here she was very popular and became local secretary of the international brotherhood of boilermakers in physical development she was now somewhat of an athlete she could outrun any of her friends on a sprint she could kick higher play baseball and throw the ball overhand like a man and she was fond of football as a wrestler she could throw most of the club members the physician who examined her for an insurance policy remarked you are a fine specimen of physical manhood young fellow take care of yourself 
finally in a moment of weakness she admitted her sex and returned to the garments of womanhood in london in nineteen twelve a servant girl of twenty-three was charged in the acton police court with being disorderly and masquerading having assumed man's clothes and living with another girl taller and more handsome than herself as husband and wife she had had slight brain trouble as a child and was very intelligent with a too active brain in her spare time she had written stories for magazines the two girls became attached through doing christian social work together in their spare time and resolved to leave as husband and wife to prevent any young man from coming forward the husband became a plumber's mate and displayed some skills at fisticuffs when at length discovered by the wife's brother hence her appearance in the police court both girls were sent back to their friends in situations found for them as day servants but as they remained devoted to each other arrangements were made for them to live together another case that may be mentioned is that of cora anderson the man-woman of milwaukee who posed for thirteen years as a man and during that period lived with two women as her wives without her disguise being penetrated her conventions were published in the day book of chicago during may nineteen fourteen it would be easy to bring forward other cases a few instances of marriage between women will be found in the alienist and neurologist november nineteen o two page four hundred ninety seven in all such cases more or less fraud has been exercised i know of one case probably unique in which the ceremony was gone through without any deception on any side a congenitally inverted english woman of distinguishable intellectual ability now dead was attached to the wife of a clergyman who in full cognizance of all the facts of the case privately married the two ladies in his own church when they still retain female garments these usually show some traits of masculine simplicity and there is nearly always a disdain for the petty feminine artifices of the toilet even when this is not obvious there are all sorts of instinctive gestures and habits which may suggest to female acquaintances the remark that such a person ought to have been a man the brusque energetic movements the attitude of the arms the direct speech the inflections of the voice the masculine straightforwardness and sense of honour and especially the attitude toward men free from any suggestion either of shyness or audacity will often suggest the underlying psychic abnormality to a keen observer in the habits not only is there frequently pronounced taste for smoking cigarettes often found in quite feminine women but also a decided taste and toleration for cigars there is also a dislike and sometimes incapacity for needlework and other domestic occupations while there is often some capacity for athletics as regards the general bearing of the inverted woman in its most marked and undisguised form i may quote an admirable description by professor zuccarelli of naples of an unmarried middle-class woman of thirty-five while retaining feminine garments her bearing is as nearly as possible a man's she wears her thin hair thrown carelessly back a la umberto and fastened in a simple knot at the back of her head the breasts are little developed and compressed beneath a high corset her gown is narrow without the expansion demanded by fashion her straw hat with broad plates is perhaps adorned by a feather or she wears a small hat like a boy's she does not carry an umbrella or sunshade and walks out alone refusing the company of men or she is accompanied by a woman as she prefers offering her arm and carrying the other hand at her waist with the air of a fine gentleman in a carriage her bearing is peculiar and unlike that habitual with women seated in the middle of the double seat 
her knees being crossed or else the legs well separated with a virile air and careless easy movements she turns her head in every direction finding an acquaintance here and there with her eye saluting men and women with a large gesture of the hand as a businessman would in conversation her pose is similar she gesticulates much is vivacious in speech with much power of mimicry and while talking she arches the inner angles of her eyebrow making vertical wrinkles at the centre of her forehead her laugh is open and explosive and uncovers her white rows of teeth with men she is on terms of careless equality inversione congenita dell'istinto sessuale in una donna l'anomalo february eighteen eighty nine the inverted woman hirschfeld truly remarks the homosexualität page one hundred fifty eight is more full of life of enterprise of practical energy more aggressive more heroic more apt for adventure than either the heterosexual woman or the homosexual man sometimes he adds her mannishness may approach reckless brutality and her courage becomes rashness this author observes however in another place page two hundred seventy two that in addition to this group of inverted women with masculine traits there is another group not less large of equally inverted women who are outwardly as thoroughly feminine as are normal women this is not an observation which i am able to confirm it appears to me that the great majority of inverted women possess some masculine or boyish traits even though only as slight as those which may occasionally be revealed by normal women extreme femininity in my observation is much more likely to be found in bisexual than in homosexual women just as extreme masculinity is much more likely to be found in bisexual than in homosexual men End of chapter four part six